Welcome back to the final edition of a Geek Explained Extra series that we're calling Watching the Watchmen, where every week we sit down and we review the latest episode of HBO's Watchmen TV show. I am your first co-host, Eric Azana. I am your second co-host, Chris Carter. And I'm your guest co-host, host, co-host <laughs> Jessica Morgan. So we have all three coast hosts here. Coast hosts. <laughs> <laughs> and we are reviewing the finale. This is it. This is the final edition of Watching the Watchmen. Uh, reviewing the last episode in the series, episode nine, entitled See How They Fly. Now, we do this every week. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about what you thought, the uh, how you interpreted the title. So whoever wants to go first. Yeah, I'll go first. I think that um, uh, See How They Fly, obviously, I, I think, uh, the double entendre, but I think it, in the literal sense, I would have to say it's about how, how the ending kind of goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also how people fly, how they change. There's there's a butterfly in the episode later, which is kind of the result of a transformation. Right. And so a lot of characters through this through these nine episodes transform. Right. They're not the same characters. Well, I would say Lori is for the most part. But <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> no one can change Lori. Right. Uh, well, she's changed from the first like Watchmen or where we left oh, off for sure. Watchmen to now. That's maybe. absolutely. Maybe. But I think definitely, obviously, Cal, for the most obvious reasons. Angela, um, I think uh, Will's story, obviously. I mm-hmm. think there's a bunch of stories of transformation. And I wonder definitely. if, kind of, let's see how, you know, watch them fly or to that, not exactly that, but but I think that's part of it. The transformation and in the most uh, literal sense, the butterfly, which I think was alluded to in in the episode when Adrian is kind of dug his, you know, is under the tunnel and pops out on the other end. And, yeah. You know, that that's what I took. That's a good that. shout. Thank you. Jess? Um, when I first saw it, it reminded me of like the Pop Goes the Weasel thing and see how they run. <laughs> okay. Like, see how they fly. So then it made me think of the literal like Pop Goes the Weasel and that being like the god getting popped and destroyed. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. So that was my first thought about it. Um, but then, of course, they changed it from see how they run to see how they fly and so yeah i i kind of have to agree with chris a little bit there it was um i was trying to look throughout about like what exactly is the fly but all i could get was maybe like the adrian bite thing and him coming back home and stuff but right um yeah i don't know that one's really up in the air for me how about you that's so interesting because um obviously that is a line from the ending song which is um uh i'm the walrus from Mm -hmm. uh, the beatles but I took it, and I think this is interesting that all of us had different interpretations. Mm-hmm. I took it as the squids. Uh-huh. See how they fly. Because they get dropped through the sky, and they they are our reign of death. Yeah. But we're going to get into all of that. Um, first off, just base impressions. What did you guys think of the finale? 
Man, so one thing I really want to mention is that, like, the anticipation of this alone yes. was kind of, like, up there, right? It was like, man, we've been watching the series this whole time, and we've talked about it, where it's like every episode seemed to get better and better, and it was just, you know, one of those shows that you're like, okay, if you're not watching this, you need to be watching this. Like, we need to talk about this some more and stuff. So um, whenever you have something like that, it's so hard to get a good finale. Right. There's so many shows out there. You can mention so many more shows that have a terrible ending, then you can mention shows that actually end really well. You know what I mean? Like I That's literally, true. there's like a handful maybe I can mention of like shows that I'm like, yeah, everyone seemed really satisfied with. Name that. one right now. Name it. Uh, I would say Breaking Bad Ooh. is like one of my good ones. Yeah. Okay. I think that will show that ended really well. And if you ask most of the fan base, they will agree with you. So that's, that's good to know. I'm looking forward to that when I finally watch that show. What the? I know. <laughs> I still haven't watched it yet. I'm going to. It's oh, gonna happen. They made a movie off of it now. I know. I can't even go on Netflix bad. anymore. I know. And it's, anyways, well, that's a whole different discussion. <laughs> yeah, so Chris, what did you think of the finale? Did you like it? Oh, no, wait, did, did you? I didn't like what? it. What? Yeah. Okay. I, I think so. I think where Jessica was kind of going before she took this detour off to Crazyville, I think that, um, I think I, she made a great point about how you have this buildup for every episode is better. So it's very hard to stick the landing when it comes to the finale. Right. And there wasn't any, uh, there wasn't any mystery for this for me. I mean, honestly, I think we saw some of the characters kind of not how we're used to them. Like we're seeing True cracking jokes and kind of stepping out of her, at least in my opinion, her all-knowingness. She right. was very aloof. She's kind of almost goofy. I'm like, that. we haven't seen that at all. And to me, it was, I mean, it wasn't bad. It was just yeah. different. But I don't think that it was, to me, I think the journey was more interesting than the destination. And I will say that Lindelof kind of has that going for him. I think that, okay. um, you know, for, for and, and you did ask Jessica, one of kind of the, the, the great finales. And all three seasons of The Leftovers ended pretty, pretty, oh, spot on. They landed those, I mean, to a T, which I was going to say, don't, don't say Lost. You better not say no. Lost. No, and so, <laughs> and so it's funny, you two know about Lost. I never saw Lost. Oh, um, that's interesting. So yeah, to hear you guys talk about it and to see where kind of Damon began his career to see where he's at now. Right. So for me, it didn't it, it didn't stick the landing, but I know that we have been kind of on this journey for a while. So yeah, and, and with someone the knowledge base that you have, you tell me, did they stick the landing on the I, finale, I, I think, not as no, the series? Right, right. I think, um, and I think that's a good distinction of because course, yeah. um, we have been nothing but ranting and raving about this series every single week. Um, I will, I will say that I don't think it was the strongest episode, but it had a lot of, it had a big job. It had a nearly impossible job of like juggling mm-hmm. everything that we've gotten through each of the eight episodes prior yeah. and trying to kind of tie it in a nice bow. And also in a way that doesn't technically, um, open the door for a second season. Mm-hmm. Like there's uh, the the way that this ends, and we're gonna get into it. Um, I almost don't want to see a second sure. season with the ending that we got from that. Mm. But um, and we'll talk about that. But I um, overall, I would say it's not one of the strongest episodes. I think with certain characters they stuck the landing. With others, I would have liked a bit more time with. Um, but that's that's just my my opinion you said that it's not one of the strongest episodes would you say it is the weakest episode no which is the weakest episode that you can you know i'm not going to put you on the spot oh. kind of are in your see for me it is the weakest episode really okay yes hmm. tell me why well 
I want you to know what your weakest is before okay. I tell you about mine. I mean, the the biggest part for me is the way that they handled the characters, and it was and it was more interesting to me to see the individual stories told through these you know one hour vignettes, and now right. we have kind of the all of them together. And we 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 can talk about the Marvel movies as a whole together, but I think that's kind of how that worked because we had time with these characters, and then we had one big climactic event at the end. I don't. For as much as it should have been, it didn't. But I want to get my answer. What so, is, so, what, so what you you heard it here first, everyone. Chris Carter Endgame was better than this entire Watchmen series. <laughs> That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Um, I'm I'm looking through all of my notes for the previous episodes now. He takes copious um, amounts of notes. I take ridi- like we were talking about this it earlier. I take fun. a ridiculous amount of notes, like unnecessarily. Well, that means you care. But I, I think so. Of course. But I'm I'm <laughs> like looking through notes. these these episodes and I don't know I don't know if I can find like a weak bunch among them. Um, maybe if I had to uh because no, because I liked a lot of the stuff that happened in this episode, and I think yeah. that um, in a lot of ways it did tie up a lot of the loose ends that we had throughout the season. Right. Um, yeah. Was it as you know, did it stick the landing perfect ten out of ten? No, but I think for what we, because I don't think with all of the stuff that we were. Um, kind of anticipating and the stuff that we were getting each week that we were going to be completely 100% blown away by anything they did. That. Yeah. Um, and that's a failure right. And that's the, you know, that's the entire problem with like hype culture and stuff like that. But I think for me, um, I have to like look at each episode individually. Like, what do I remember from it? Mm-hmm. I'm going to remember stuff from this episode. Mm-hmm. I'm going to yeah. remember stuff from, episodes prior i i will say i don't think i remember really anything from episode two Mm -hmm. now whether or not that makes it the weakest episode i don't know but i don't think that this specifically was the weakest episode Mm -hmm. jess what do you think yeah i i for me i was gonna say this series for me i didn't catch like the real bug for it until probably episode three to be honest for me it was kind of like oh okay like maybe mm, i don't know and it's so for me episode three was where it finally landed me to be like oh yeah i'll watch this show every week now yeah but it took until then for me and um and as far as this one i do i don't know it's like i like i don't feel necessarily let down by it because they did answer a lot of our questions right. and they had very satisfying answers for a lot of our questions, like stuff that I was like, oh yeah, okay, great. Like makes perfect sense. Doesn't seem like it's like completely crazy or anything like, or nothing that you're just like, no, like they just made that shit up. Right. But, um, but I think, you know, the one thing that it's hard is that it's like, we've had a lot of like twists and turns and shocks along the way and stuff. So it's like coming to an end. It's like, now it's tying up, you know, is what happened. It's like, it's, we're tying everything up and stuff. So a lot of stuff we did predict like overall, which was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, they didn't open a lot of new doors. And I think maybe that's why we might feel left down, but I think, I don't know, as a, like to find like answers and stuff, I feel pretty satisfied in that sense. Like, but it is a sense of, like you said, I don't know if there would be a second season. It's like, yeah, this is kind of the end. Like you didn't leave me wanting to see another episode, you know? Right. So that's why, but I, I'm satisfied with the end. I think it was pretty good too. I don't think it's, like I said, I think episode one or two would be weaker than this one in my opinion. But I get what you're saying, Chris, by that there wasn't as much um, 
mystery or intrigue as yeah. previous episodes because this episode really had to serve the purpose of solving the mystery, of giving course. you the answers. Yeah. And of course, the chase is always going to be more fun than the actual catch. Sure. sure. But I um, I think with what we got from this episode, it it's not like, you know, oh, everything was so good for the first eight episodes and this one just tanked. No. Even, it's definitely not. And I don't want to say that. Right. I, I, okay. That's not what I'm saying. I think that for me, and it was an it was an impossible task to really to come away with this being the best episode out of all of them. Yeah, which, and, and that's the hard part for me because maybe that's what I was expecting. Because you and I have said that every episode is better than the last, yeah. and I really believe that. I really agree. You know, so for this to be the one that we end up on for me, it's like, oh well, I there's like four that I would rank ahead of it right now, and. You know, I, that's just me, though. Right. But I do. It did serve its purpose to tie everything up. It absolutely did that. It it did. It did. So, and I want to touch back again on that after we've talked about this episode. So yeah. let's let's dive into the episode itself. We're almost at thirteen minutes here. Let's start it off. The episode opens up with a in a place that I didn't think it was going to start, and I was a little. Yeah. Um, Surprised by, uh, we open up during the recording of Veidt's message for Robert Redford back in 1985. The timeline jumps around a bunch in this episode. Big time, big time. And I, I liked that we went here because I, I always love seeing like what's behind the scenes while big events are happening. Sure. Um, I just think that's fascinating. Like, oh, what was, you know, the guy driving the car when Kennedy was shot doing? Like, what <laughs> yeah. was his thought? Like, stuff yeah. like that where it's like a bystander watching history happen, I think yeah. is just some of the most uh, interesting storytelling that you can find. This one picks up with a, uh, a Vietnamese woman who is essentially the cleaning lady for Vite's <laughs> uh, Arctic base. And while Vite is... Uh, recording his message for Robert Redford, mm -hmm. she goes into his office and she somehow knows about this uh, hidden secret fridge behind this portrait of Alexander the Great that he has. And in there are vials. I didn't know what the vials were initially when I looked at them. <laughs> did you guys? I did. I did not. This is sexism in its finest, ladies and gentlemen. Interesting. The woman cleaner knew what they were right away. <laughs> <laughs> and so she steals one of the vials, switches it out for something Lotion. else. Lotion, Lotion, yeah. Lotion in a vial. And so yeah. she takes the vial. It, I was like, oh no, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and we kind of get the hint that this is beyond. This is Lady True's mother because she takes the vial, which is vial number two, three, four, six, nice. and injects it. Where the sun don't shine. And <laughs> and I love how like she gets herself all prepped up, legs are all up and everything, and she looks at the portrait and in Vietnamese, she's just like fuck you, Ozymandias, yes. and then injects herself, and then we cut. Don't you want to know that story? No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we jump to 2008, a big, big time gap, where we catch up with another Vietnamese woman, this being our Lady True proper. Mm -hmm. uh, she's showing up back to Adrian's Arctic base, and this is one year before... Uh, Dr. Manhattan sent Adrian to uh, the paradise, yeah. Jupiter, to Europa. Yes. And um, she kind of introduces herself. She talks uh, 
She just says, I'm the smartest woman in the world. Yeah. I loved that. I loved that. She didn't lead off with, I'm your daughter. Nope. She led off with her accomplishments, which is so true to her character. Yeah. And so true to, like, the idea of shared narcissism between them. Yes. Um, And here we get some interesting... uh, I would say some interesting um, payoff for different questions that we've had throughout the season. Uh, first off, Adrian talks about the uh, the squid machine, how yes. the pattern is random yes. so that no one can uh, catch it or amateur sleuths can't figure it out. Uh, we also get the confirmation that the satellite that was orbiting Europa that mm-hmm. Ozymandias was building his message for was in fact from Lady True. Yes. Uh, and then we also get the confirmation that Lady True's ultimate goal is to steal Dr. Manhattan's abilities. Yes. And she's telling Ozymandias all this, and she's like, hey, so can I borrow $42 billion? <laughs> and after the whole reveal of like, hey, I'm actually your daughter as well, mm-hmm. Ozymandias is pissed. Yeah. Like, he is... And I mean, I think in a way, rightfully so, because <laughs> he's like, you stole this from you. me. Yeah. Like, I loved like the little mention too, where he's like, I've never even slept with a woman. Yes. Which yeah. is but really like, interesting. Yeah. Because it was super like the whole time when we were, you know, you guys would bring up the idea of like, oh, is true like her, his, his daughter. Yeah. I for, kept being like, yeah, but who the heck is Adrian Vice sleeping with? Yeah. Like, and, like, <laughs> That's I'm, like, a good and point. Really, yeah. And it is. It's like even for him, like him just being like, he would just think he's so above everybody. You know right. what I mean? And we don't see that from him. So that was like a really, I think this was a really true to even him idea of like, how does he get a daughter like it would absolutely be somebody else stealing like his semen <laughs> yeah i i thought it was really interesting just the setup of this because we know what happens prior to this and mm-hmm. we know what happens just a year from now so then getting that payoff of true being like i just launched a satellite in five years it's going to orbit europa and take yeah. some pictures mm-hmm. and so we finally get the explanation yeah, yeah. on yeah. what Ozymandias was doing. Uh, we find out that he was on. He knew that he was on a clock as soon as he got to Europa and yeah. realized, oh, this isn't the paradise I want. Which brings us to 2014, year five in the Ozymandias timeline, the uh, the Vite timeline that we talked about and established, um, where Vite has been staying in this prison. Did you guys notice the six candles on the cake? Jessica saw that. Yes. Jessica could tell that's how the years pass. So. I, I have only, I only paid attention to that because you mentioned it last week. Yes. And so now anytime I saw the cake, I was like, how many candles are there? Where's many the candles? candles? Yeah, and but so, this cake was super old. And you're like, super old. how old is this cake? <laughs> so he gets the confirmation that, like, we get the confirmation that he's been there for at least a year now. Yeah. He has sharpened that uh that horseshoe just for the moment that a ship touches down yes which we get confirmation is lady true's ship sent to rescue him yeah and i loved this jailbreak scene (laughs) where you mentioned it earlier with him like popping the plan open and like climbing out it's so good and then um all of the phillips and crookshanks coming out to like line up the path towards the uh towards the ship Mm -hmm. and then we get this final confrontation between ozymandias and the game warden what did you guys think of that oh yeah i I thought that was really cool i thought that it was interesting to see that 
that he had given him like the command uh, to not let me leave. You know what I mean? So, right. So he was just kind of following the order that he was given. And of course, I love the line at the end when he says, uh, you know, I was just looking for a worthy adversary. Which, by the way, is a title of a uh, episode in season two of Leftovers. So nice. that's I think that's Damon kind of all know, around, yeah, full circle on the back, which he deserves because it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I thought that was really really cool. I thought that was kind of like you you implement this like barrier for yourself, right? To keep yourself in the check again, which kind of just goes to show how narcissistic but at the same time motivated it is because if you know who you are you know you have to set certain things to make sure that you don't go wild and certain his, boundaries his, yeah, go yeah. go insane trying you know spending five years or eight years or how many years he was there i thought that was really cool i yeah. really enjoyed that part yeah and there's like a social commentary kind of to it too with the whole like why'd you make me wear a mask because it makes people cruel i loved that line yeah i was gonna say and that's just it is it's so deep it goes literally like even to our time and being like hey internet trolls and stuff like yeah. you can do whatever you like people are so mean on the internet because there's not a there's face no accountability yeah there's no face-to-face -face, like interaction for it so it's like the same thing and of course that's been a big theme throughout this is like cops wearing masks and different things like that so right. that was kind of like a really interesting i was like oh good i'm glad we got brought that full circle as to what we're thinking with this theme you know yeah and and this was the first of many quotes that i just have in oh. my notes so many good quotes in this episode but yes. i love the masks make men cool line yeah like you said i think that's great social commentary for today once again watchmen mm -hmm. being woke af um, but also like it it does speak to to the um the reality of that universe we saw that the whole the whole basis behind watchmen was like what if justice league but they suck like that was the whole deal of like what what if like superheroes were in the real world like yeah. there would be no shining beacon they're like they're all different shades of gray mm -hmm. and the idea that masks make men cruel yeah. uh, I think carries throughout the entire season yeah. every single episode Absolutely. we have an example of that Absolutely and I I loved this final confrontation between the two of them first of all we get a bullet catch which is something that he famously did in the Watchmen comic, the original yes. Watchmen comic. Um, and then we also find the so we'll throwback to that, which is again always yes. cute because, again, like me not knowing that and stuff, you're just like, oh, dang, he can catch bullets. Okay, interesting. Yeah. But of course, you sitting over there were like, he's got to catch that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I said it and I'm, I'm a talker when I watch things. So, like, as soon as like they shot him and he just, his hand went up towards his chest, I was like, nah, he caught that. Because in, in the comics, for those of you who aren't aware, um, Ozymandias' whole ability is just that he's the smartest person in the world and that he is the peak of uh, human perfection, basically. Peak performance. And it was always rumored and hinted at throughout the comic, like, oh, he's probably fast enough to catch a bullet. And there's a moment in the final climax where he mentions, he's like, I don't know if I'm fast enough to catch a bullet, but I've never tried. Aww. And then at a certain point, uh, Lori actually shoots him. And he you know tumbles backwards and you can tell like when he like reveals that ah, i caught the bullet like his hands bleeding yeah. like and he's actually mentions he's like oh, i didn't know i could do that <laughs> so he didn't even know that he could catch a bullet and nice. so just the callbacks to that once again the show is amazing with the callbacks to the original story yeah. and uh also the horseshoe 
The horseshoe was not just his tool to escape, it was also his tool to defeat the game warden. He stabbed him right in the chest with that freaking horseshoe. And he's then, such an interesting character. He's so cruel yeah. at times, and then he's just the, that whole smart thing too, where you're just like, he has it all. Like he he has it all planned out. Yep. Like we said, literally the time years that advance. the satellite, like she barely, like True barely mentioned to him, like, oh yeah, in five years, blah blah. Like literally the time, like she lay, lays it all out, and somehow he just like totally remembers that, and then that makes his whole plan for it. It's just. Now, something I just thought of, do you think that the, um, because he knew he was on a ticking clock and that time doesn't pass regularly there as it does, like, in our world, do you think he was the one who ordered Crookshanks and Phillips to bring him a cake on every year to keep track Mm. of the time? Because they do everything he says. Yeah. And he set up everything, including the game warden. That's a really good, interesting idea because you're right. Like, even when he's, like, being held in prison or whatever, they, you know, the game warden comes in and is like, oh, they they told me I had to do this kind of thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I needed to do this, give this to you. They, you know? So it's like one, again, one big elaborate plan Mm. that he's like, okay, I know in this amount of time I have to do this. Yeah. I have to have this ready. So I got to make sure I have, like, little. Little alarms that I snooze every year yeah. until we get to that point. Um, I also loved, along with the uh, masks make men cruel line, he was telling the game warden, he was like, I needed an adversary. I needed yeah. a worthy adversary. And the game warden says, was I? And he goes, no. no. <laughs> but you put on a hell of a show. And just Jeremy Irons has been an absolute marvel this entire season. He's so good. And so he gets in the ship and we finally get the answer. I think one of us said it earlier in this season. He gets turned into the gold statue that we see multiple times in the Millennium Clock in True's like little home base headquarters throughout the season. We see this gold statue and we're like, oh, how does she know him? Like, why is that statue there? And it's him. She's just been keeping him just in this little like zen garden until like time was Han ready style, yeah, yeah and carbonite <laughs> so i i thought it was i thought it was pretty cool getting yeah. that um again just like the rest of the episode getting those payoffs for mm-hmm. little things that we noticed throughout the season um i also thought it was really interesting the scene where they woke him up yes. where he you know is just like again like Star Wars hype is at an all-time high right now, and I just rewatched all the films. Um, but again, seeing him coming out of like the gold carbonite was yeah. very similar to okay. how Han Solo was coming out of the carbonite in Return yeah. of the Jedi. Yeah. Um, really good stuff, and then the uh, the reveal to Beyond that True was like. I want to let you know something because he might say something. She's like, I'm your mother. <laughs> like she knew. Like of course she did. Of course, right? And it's like if this is the woman that made up this plan to have you even be like the kid of him, then like of course she. You know what I mean? If you've given had her to enough be memories, then she knows. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that part's really interesting. I don't know. <laughs> I and really, I want to know that story character. more. I can't yeah. believe you don't want to know what that story more. <laughs> I'm much more interested in Little Beyond than I am in Old Beyond. <laughs> like. Especially now, at the end of this story. Like, where does she go from here? But um, we then jump over to... uh, After they've woken him up, they give him some new threads. I love how he was just willing. He's just like, I'm just going to go like this in his Ozymandias costume. And they're like, no. 
you have to wear at least normal people looking clothes. What's wrong with what I'm wearing? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then I loved the scene with the uh, the newspaper guy. Yes. Where Vite is like talking to him. He's like, you know who you look like? Adrian Fight, Ozymandias. And I thought it was really interesting how, because um, Adrian's obviously been gone at this point for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so he is wanting to know what people remember from him. Yeah. Like, what did they think happened to him? What, what Essentially, he wants to know what his legacy well, was. Well, it's the narcissist in him, right? Right. So. And what worse thing as a narcissist to hear than someone going like, Nobody cares about right, him. Right, we forgot. He's old it. news. We passed it. Like, what did you guys think about that? Because he has been fighting essentially for 10 years to get back home to, he even said in a previous episode, yeah. his children. Yes. He so they were like, you know, crying and worshipping him. And his health yeah. and his, all this stuff. Yeah. And then to have them be like, this one guy just be like, well, mostly people don't really care what happened to him. You know? It's just like, <gasps> and I think we see that kind of come full circle too by the end of the episode when he starts talking about his daughter when they're like, fixing things and he starts to be like well yeah she thinks that people are going to kiss her feet you know what i mean they think that this and it's like it's completely him being like that's what i thought then but not anymore you know what i mean i don't know if i don't think it changed him no definitely not but it's like but it was like kind of a satisfying thing to see a narcissist be like yeah yeah no one really cares about you (laughs) well but then he has that quote in latin i'm sure and says takes one to no one yeah i know all this about her her narcissistic tendencies because they are my narcissistic tendencies. So right. I thought that was... He has some awareness of it by that point, right? Yeah. Yeah. So then we pick up with uh, the 7th Cavalry. We pick up with all of the... Essentially the governing body of the Cyclops kind of coming together. All these old white people. Um <laughs> Not that that would be social commentary on anything. Yeah. Um, but they're all gathering to basically watch Joe Keen become Dr. Manhattan. And we, I thought he was going to be more important. We saw Daddy Keen, Keen yes. Sr. I definitely thought he was going to be like something. And they were just like, no, his dad's just here. Yeah, right. And it's like, like uh, okay, that's it. cool. That's part of my problem with this episode that you bring in this whole like – like line change in hockey, right? Let's bring all these people in who are right. obviously important. And you know they're important only on the fact that A, they're old, B, they're white, and C, they're dressed nicely. They're uh-huh. C, to kind of see a coronation of a new Dr. Manhattan. Right. Other than that, do we know they're important? I mean, yeah, they say, yeah, they're, they're part of the Cyclops air yeah. quotes. But at the same time, it's like, I don't give a shit about any of these people. Of course, that... uh uh, Chief's wife is there. Yep. She's kind of the only one yeah. that you're like, oh, yeah, that's probably why they gave her those two lines when she said, are you going to just do it already? Yeah. So, you know. Well, like, and that's also really mm-hmm. interesting. That's also a great callback to the original Watchmen story when after Adrian, like, reveals everything and everyone is basically like, okay, we're going to go along with it. We're going to keep your secret. Uh, Rorschach's like, No. Like, yeah. I'm going to go tell the truth. And then he's confronted by Dr. Manhattan outside. This, this is the and, only thing I remember about the movie. Yeah, and he's part. he's like, do it. Just do it. And, like, that callback again, that callback with Jane saying that, like, just do it. Like, we all know what you're going to do. We don't want to listen to your stupid speech. Just mm-hmm. do it. Because they know. Yeah. They know what's going to happen next. Yeah. Um, They're like, but, stop bragging about it. Just do it. Right. Right. But jumping back a little bit, uh, we finally see Looking Glass again. Wade is alive and well. Wait, and you called that. 
You called it one. Like, I was pretty excited about that. Ago, so, yeah. But uh, seeing him like basically in his in the Rorschach mask that he had stolen, standing next to Laurie, and Laurie goes, "Mirror guy." Mirror guy. <laughs> and he's he, he's like, "It's looking glass." You know, it's looking <laughs> it's glass. Still, like I. Know. I I was I, like, dang, she couldn't get the name right even then. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have to think it's on purpose. I know. It's, right? I, it's definitely I mean, it's like... Even when he's there, literally, yeah, probably... Saving yeah, her life. Yeah. She has to be snarky. Like, and I... Their chemistry's been so good. Like, if there was to be, like, more stories, I would want them. Yeah. Sure. But, uh, so we find we basically pick up from last week's episode where dr manhattan is captured he's sitting in this containment cell which i thought was really interesting it is a lithium cage Mm -hmm. the entire cage was made out of lithium batteries from watches which watchman watchmaker john austin dr manhattan all tying together i love it and of course the throwback to like episode one where when they go to raid them they're all breaking out the lithium batteries yeah like oh okay that's what they were using it for because they never said that you know that we never figured out why they were doing that so it's nice that and i think that it might have been um it's funny i like they actually said it because they had to be overt about it i think because a lot of people i mean that's nine weeks ago at this point right you know that happened so I think that's why King was like, we had to melt out a bunch of old watch batteries. I'm like, oh, fuck. That's why they had all those batteries you saw. That's a great impression, by the you way. Know, uh, thank you, Eric. I appreciate it. <laughs> it got worse with time. <laughs> What's your favorite drink in Southern? <laughs> Never mind. Sw- he goes, no, no, no. sweet tay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, now we have to hear you say it. No, no, you have to say it. <laughs> sweet ass tay. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you didn't think you were going to get uh, interpretive uh, accents from your co-hosts here, but here we are. Let's call him right now. (laughs) (laughs) He listens to this show. He is going to hate. It's a great accent. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Andrew. We love you and your Southern accent. You're incredible. Um, But speaking of Keen, we get this great monologue from him, this very villain monologue with his southern drawl, and it reveals that he's wearing the Dr. Manhattan briefs, the original, you know, Vietnam Manhattan briefs that he had to wear until he decided, (laughs) nah. But I loved them. They are comics accurate, the weird V shape, Mm -hmm. like... It looked exactly as ridiculous as it needed to. Yeah, it, sorry, it was so terrible because, it, in a sense, like my one of my thoughts, like as soon as you know, we see it, realize what it is, and then I'm like, oh my god, this it, all like it popped in my head was like, make Doctor Manhattan white again, like, like Whoa. I was, yeah, because I was just like, dang, like he's bringing Good it back. Good shout. Right? I was like, oh god. <laughs> And it's funny because uh, Lori said it as soon as everybody was thinking. It. It's like you look ridiculous in those panties. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Something to that effect. So love I it. That was. And and I love that even in this situation when she you know she sees John for like the first time and yeah. God knows over twenty years. Yeah. Um, she doesn't lose her snark with right. Keen. Right. I loved that. Yeah, um, not losing her cool or anything like that. She's like, nope, we're still in this. Right. And then right as, you know, they're about to key everything up, Angela shows up. Kicking ass, gunning people down, and she shows up. She's like, you know, let him out. And um, Keen is basically, like, he is not only in disbelief that she's there, but when Angela tries to tell him, like, hey, True's coming for you, he's like, why isn't she here then? 
Yeah. And I, we had talked about in previous episodes, in previous weeks, like, are they working together? Like, they yes. they took True's tech, like, they seem to have the same goals. Yeah. And finally, we get the confirmation that True was using them yes. as a means to an end. I know. I'm so happy about that, too. Because I like, kept saying, I was like, who's screwing over who? Do they know they're working together? You said that. I like, know. I heard you say that, yeah. too. I was like, what's happening here? And then so sure enough, it was like, well, we stole all that stuff. And it's like, yeah, because she let you, you yeah. know? And it was like, and yeah, it was, it was too much. I'm glad we got that confirmation, too. For sure. And, and then... Go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, because then in just like the funniness of like her being really, you know, this genius and stuff. And then to see what these kind of hillbillies you know, uh, white supremacists end up doing to try to do the transformation. Like, they think they can accomplish this. And yeah. it is that level of, like, her being, like, she's not even present for it because she knows how it's going to go. Yeah. You know, and then we get to see, it's like, oh, yeah, they try to do it, and he's just completely, what, melted? Like, yeah, he popped like a balloon. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I loved that. Like, he he's so sure of himself, he hops into his little, his little pod. And it took me a second, because when they hit the button, there's this bright light... And then it took me a second to realize they had been teleported. Yeah. Because it took yes. some of the floor and the wall with it. Um, but they get teleported on top of this building. I think that was confusing, too. Because it, yeah. it took me... I don't know if it was a geographical thing. I don't know if it was a, a, a blocking thing or a filming thing. But, yeah, it took me until a while into that scene. Until she said, oh, I think someone said they were teleported out. Yeah, true. Yeah, Explained it to everybody, a, yeah. Okay, so that's what I caught it, but... Yeah, it was. It wasn't done. It didn't. That was. I did not catch that at first, which yeah. is again a couple of the problems I had with this episode. And you right. mentioned it. I want to go back real quick to when Lori sees Doctor Manhattan for the first time. That bothered me because they had a very. They had a. They had something important. And now, if you don't see something, she called him. Yeah. Right. We saw in episode three when right. she was in the Manhattan phone booths, like kind of talking to him still. Yeah. Okay. Well, if all of a sudden you see the person that you're calling, that you're reaching out to. To me, I I would have thought there would be a different kind of response in that. Gotcha. So I kind of, you know, I, I didn't like that even though, yes, I think that's great because her, her and you're right, her and Looking Glass's chemistry is fucking fantastic. It is yeah. snarky, quick-witted, very, very Sorkin-esque in their Absolutely. dialogue. Absolutely. But I just think that when she, should, when she saw Dr. Manhattan for the first time, and she does say, John, it looks like she does tear up for a little bit. Yeah, you know, and and they get the episode had to move a little faster. We get it. They wanted right. to reserve that emotional impact for Angela. I get it. Right. But at the same time, it's to me that's where a couple of the deficiencies that this episode had in terms of characterization. So that's one of the issues I have with it. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't know. It's like it, the way they built up her character and stuff at this point, though. It would be I don't know. It feels like it'd be a little out. Like how would you expect her to react? Like. Um, cause I, I thought it was a pretty fair reaction too. I mean, yeah, there was a moment where you kind of want more maybe, but she's tied up, like he's over in the cage. She, you know, she does, they at least like acknowledge it and all, but I don't see her like breaking down about it. I don't see like this character that they've built for us. I just don't see her reacting very different than what they did for her, you know? Yeah. Except she was calling in like episode three to, she was calling out to him. So it's clear she hasn't gotten fully over him. If not his companionship, then maybe him as a presence in her life. So it's still relevant because if it wasn't, I think, at least in my opinion, why would they have shown that? 
Fair. Yeah, but she wasn't, like, crying in those messages or anything either. Like, I guess that's why I'm like, I just don't know what the reaction would have been other than what they did, you know? Well, because she felt they were kind of falling on deaf ears because she even says, I don't even know why I do this anymore. I don't know why I do this anymore. So it's one of those things where, like, you may, well, you're, like, leaving a message for someone who may never pick it up or may get it. Why do I call you if you don't answer? Hmm. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I, I always took it as, like, um... You know, because, like, there's that thing, if you ever, you, when you go through, like, a breakup or something, one of the harder parts is, like, you know, who do you talk to about your day anymore? Like, you have those moments of, like, hey, like, where's that space, that person that I used to tell these things to and stuff? They're just not there anymore. And that's one of the harder th- things about getting over someone sometimes is just the companionship of it. So I think I always took kind of her calls as, like, that. And especially by the end of that where she's like, I don't know why I leave these anymore. Like, again, she's not necessarily emotional. She's just more of like, maybe she's more frustrated with herself. So to me, it felt like there isn't necessarily an emotional connection. Like, yes, she, you know, we clearly see like the dildo and stuff and she has like some sort of sexual desire for him still. But I don't know if there's necessarily like an emotional thing anymore. It's almost like out of um, nostalgia you know, habit or something. Yeah, nostalgia. But that's again, that's my interpretation, you know. What do you think about that, Eric? To be honest, I I was okay with the interaction that they had. Um, you could definitely tell that she cared. And the entire reason that Keen brought her into the situation in the first place was so that, like... And he even says something to the effect of, if he's going to die, I want someone who cares about him to be there. Um, but I was oh, yeah. actually more interested in the interactions that we actually got a lot of, which was Adrian and Lori <laughs> seeing each other again for the first time since probably 1985. Yeah. I was more because Lori at this point, at this point in her life in this character has become incredibly bitter, mm-hmm. uh, very angry, snarky, cynical, cynical yeah. is a great word, I think, for her. And for her to see essentially the architect of everything that has happened to her and what she's turned into since greeting her after the teleportation and be like hey how are you my daughter's about to you know kill like about to kill your uh, your ex like i i ate that up yeah. all of their interactions yeah. their banter between each other like i really really dug that yeah. uh, i also really enjoyed getting kind of the payoff of true explaining the master plan of her showing uh the members of cyclops like hey this is what happened to your boy joe keen and just like this flood of blood coming out of the pod um yeah and then her about to get into the speech and jane's just like no no no, we don't want to hear it just kill us and she's like okay and she kills all of them like not only is she uh, snarky and funny and quippy in this episode, but she's also she's also efficient. Yeah, she knows what she's doing at all times. Yeah, I gotta and, say, there's some like for me like some real strong character female characters in this. Like yes. if you look at the female characters in this show, it's like all of them. We don't ever really have people who are just like again breaking down and crying. It's like maybe and maybe that is like kind of the point. Maybe that's why they don't bring that in a lot. But it's like you know we, we all of them are kind of kicking ass or at least like staying strong in some way and even like we said like um you know (laughs) that he's like okay just just go ahead and do it we don't want to hear you anymore you know what i mean she's completely like yeah i'm gonna die for my cause like you know what i mean that's i don't know i I really appreciated like i always appreciate that whenever there's a lot of strong female characters 
And then there, as uh, True is gearing everything up for this ascension to take place, uh, Dr. Manhattan teleports Lori, Adrian, and Wade away. I think it's really interesting that it's the three of them specifically. Mm-hmm. Maybe specifically because of Looking Glass. And initially when that happened, I was like, why him? <laughs> why didn't they teleport Angela away? Yeah. And uh, it becomes clear it after a certain amount of time and i i thought again like the writing here as well as like in universe in the narrative like the the forethought for dr manhattan of course seeing all the possible outcomes and everything was really well done here putting the three most unlikely people on one team and sending them to a location to achieve a goal yeah Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, that's that's again. You nailed the writing. You want to put people together that obviously wouldn't you wouldn't choose to put together. So they create a natural friction, right? And then from that friction, you get sparks. And I think that's what that's really what happened here. Um, especially with it's funny you have kind of the matter of fact uh, looking glass kind of dialogue, and then you have Adrian's I know everything narcissistic dialogue, and then you have Lori snarky kind yeah. of responses, and yeah. And, and, and you, you rub them together and you get some really interesting dialogue to pop out of those because of the characters you built. Those characters that will stay mostly were true to everything that kind of happened throughout the arc of the series. That for sure. part for me was probably the most, okay, yeah, that that's okay. I believe everything that's happening here. You know, other parts. And, and that true part that you're talking about, to me that didn't, that, that wasn't, that was what I was used to for her. So for me, when she's quipping and telling jokes, I'm like, meh. I don't get that from her. So that didn't ring true for you. It didn't, but you okay. know, it's only because I hadn't seen it before, really. right? Like, at least not to that extent. Yeah. I mean, and you figure out that she is, in fact, this the smart, the smartest woman in the world. Okay, then yeah, that makes sense. That that then that's how she would throw those that dialogue. But to me, I just hadn't seen it until then, so I was like, oh, it was a little distracting. I, distracting is the right word, not off-putting, but just it's like she wouldn't have said that two episodes ago. Gotcha. At least. That's that's when she's monologuing to right. the I'm gonna kill you of course type of thing. Yeah. So so yeah. To me that's just a little awkward. Well and I think for me I I think that has a lot to do with that we haven't spent a whole lot of time with her in this season. Um we really set up and there were absolutely hints of it throughout the season, but most of the season was spent setting up the threat of the seventh cavalry and the Cyclops and um Joaquin specifically. Um, so having the kind of bait and switch that happens with Joe Keen just kind of getting offed right away by True and True being really kind of the true villain, um, no pun intended, but I, I think that that is something that I think could have been a little bit more fleshed out because I agree, like it did feel weird having her be very quippy in this episode when previous episodes it was, ma- it was very matter of fact absolutely um yeah. we can all we can also i mean chalk that up to now that she's you know i'm in the end game of my plan i don't need to be efficient anymore right. I mean, I can, fourth quarter up by I, 14 I can points. let my hair down yeah. a little bit yeah. yeah so i don't know i th- i think if they had set it up a little bit better that it would have been a bit easier of a transition for that character mm-hmm. but none of that is important because we finally have another notch on our blue dick counter we have two (laughs) the season ended with two points on the blue dick counter and um what'd you guys what'd you guys think about our second uh our second sighting jessica 
I mean, if we're not counting, <laughs> I mean, if we're not counting the the drawn on one, right? not counting the drawn on one, it has to be in real life. Have to be more real now. Um, you know, it, I guess we were all waiting for it, so it do was. You, do, do you? We had to come to that conclusion at some point. In your professional opinion, does it? Uh, do you think it matches up to the uh, the dildo that Lori had in a previous episode? Is it? I mean, I think you guys hit it on the head with one of the first episodes I ever listened from you guys, which was um, saying that maybe, uh, you know, a grower, not a shower. You know? <laughs> there we go. Official confirmation. Dr. Manhattan, a grower, not a shower. <laughs> but um, I thought this was really touching when... Um, the penis? No. <laughs> okay. No. Okay. Well, we touched um, a terrible transition. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is the kind of content people listen to. Uh, when uh, touching in an emotional way, not a physical way, Chris, um, when Angela finally was able to have a conversation with John, and you know she's like, "Why did you bring me here? Like, why did, why didn't you do this? Why am I here? Why did everything teleport?" And he looks at her, and this is the most human I think I've ever seen him is he basically says, I didn't want to be alone when I died. And that hit. Like, for me at least, that really, like, it's a gut punch because you are so used to Dr. Manhattan as a character being so emotionless and so um, just really kind of a blank slate Mm -hmm. that seeing him kind of afraid to meet the end was really touching and really bittersweet as well. So... um, Getting that goodbye with them too, when he, you know the uh, his essence, I guess, is getting drained from him, and he's slowly turning back from Doctor Manhattan into what we've kind of associated with the physical representation of Cal. Yeah, um, was sad. Yeah, it was really, yeah. really sad. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And getting that final moment of kind of finishing that character where we started with him in the beginning of the season as Cal telling Angela I love you before he is just vaporized was I think a really good shout and a really good um a really good way to wrap that character up because yeah. I didn't I didn't think they were going to do it yeah Dr. Manhattan is this all-seeing all-knowing all-powerful creature that like I didn't I thought there was definitely going to be a way out of it like him teleporting our uh, our unlucky trio away was going to be in a way to save himself yeah. but I always knew they were going to take him out. Yeah? So yeah. Because I'm like, the whole thing, he's an all-seeing, all-knowing, so he knew he was going to go. But it's kind of cool that he got to almost pick his own way about it or decide how to do it or, I don't know, Fair. you know what I mean? Like, that whole, because then eventually we find out, like, you he know. He kind of orchestrated all yeah, of this. His grandpa, yeah. like, the, her grandpa was in on it. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like, he wanted me to go team up with true so that she would you know be the one and like all that stuff and i'm just like oh my gosh you know what i mean like i guess he kind of but it's interesting there's a lot of commentary about this about like throughout this this episode specifically where people are like he's a god he had all these powers and he didn't use them the way he probably should have like he didn't do as much as he should have done and everybody says it basically in this episode like from all different walks they all say it you know the white supremacists are saying like that we have the grandpa who went through a lot of really hard times with racism and being like yeah he didn't do as much as he should have so it's we get like all sides of it and um so it's kind of i don't it's it's like 
maybe him, Dr. Manhattan himself kind of knew, you know, it's like he clearly could see the future. Maybe he knew he couldn't do these things, but he also knew that maybe it was time for him to end. Like if there's nothing else he can do for humanity or maybe he's just tired. He also like we knew that from the Watchmen series, right? That right. he just was kind of giving up on humanity in that sense. Yeah. Then it's like maybe it was time for him to go, you know? Yeah. And I think it's interesting when you talk about him kind of uh, orchestrating everything orchestrating like all these plans all these people meeting happenstance and i think it also um it also makes sense when you take into account the characters that he kind of knew would be the key to stopping true Mm -hmm. so when they get teleported away adrian laurie and wade um vite realizes like hey i have a chance to save the world again from my narcissistic daughter yes and he takes the uh the squid teleporter Mm -hmm. the raining squids (laughs) and he talks to um he basically tells laurie and wade that if these are crystallized they basically like they're basically become like uh, killer hail yeah like yeah. they're going to kill stuff yeah and so he realizes that that's why uh john sent him sent them there yeah, and then this is also helps out with uh explaining to us why wade was sent with them oh yeah you absolutely. know where when was the last time that yeah. the, the squids fell yeah yeah last and time so fell here and you're like he, he's gonna know of all of the course. people around like they're not gonna have an estimate he would know so good yeah and then um just being able to see that kind of payoff with you know the countdown going um they call they called angela through the little manhattan phone yeah which i loved Mm -hmm. and that that's kind of the way that she gets saved yeah you have to have Lori there to call through the call through it like all of them fulfilling their roles in this this exact scenario Mm -hmm. um and I loved the moment when, like, you know, the countdown's going, True's about to ascend, and all of a sudden you hear this, like, yeah. and then she looks over, and you just see, like, a hole, a big gaping hole through her hand. Oh and you're like, oh, God. Oh, wow. And then the squids fall. Like, yeah. these little squid missiles. Like, just these bullets raining from the sky. Yeah. It, was, uh, it was, I thought it was really visually interesting. Like, what did you, what did you think about the sequence, about the... The, the scorched earth squid attack. It was clever. I think it was very clever. And I think that I, I, I really enjoy something that you can kind of uh, weaponize. So yeah. Something that isn't necessarily weaponized. And, so you enjoy weapons? Uh, very much so. Okay, got it. <laughs> guns from heaven, I believe. Uh. Right <laughs> no, I think that was clever. I think that was really, really interesting how they did that. And um, the spectacle in which they created it, too. Oh, for sure. You know, I think that was that was a big deal. Um, and, of course, the visual aspect when you said she has her all bail giant hole blown through her hand is... You know, it's that it's the anticipation, and then the first payoff, and then you know the deluge is coming. Yeah. Um, and I think that was, yeah, I think that was in well. I think it was interesting how they kind of created their, their weapon. You know what I mean? Right. I think that was clever, and it's hard to do that, especially in this. Well, obviously they've done a great job in the series, but it is hard to come up with something, uh, to shoot what I, they were in Antarctica, right? Yeah. So I mean, that was that was good. I enjoyed that. That worked for me. Cool. Jess, what did you think of the sequence of kind of like the saving the day, Adrian basically saving the world oh twice gosh, with two different squids? Guy. <laughs> 
I know exactly, and he was so up to the task. Right? Oh yeah, he was just like yes, I want to save the world again. But it's also I love like the irony of like True brought him back so that he could see her do something, do the whole you know like hey, I didn't need money, and this is what I've become. I'm going to yeah. become a god now, which is something you couldn't even do, kind of thing. Right. And then he's the one that stops her. You know what I mean? There's like irony in that too, where yeah. it's like yeah, he wouldn't be here if you hadn't gone and saved him, and he's the one that's going to stop your plan. Too. Classic, so classic cool. villain wrap up. Yeah. Classic like narcissist. Yeah, classic villain narcissist causes causes their own downfall. Mm-hmm. Very Macbethian. Absolutely. Yeah, which, we, which we talked about earlier too. We talked. We about did. Season, so that's true. Yeah. Um, and through this like hail of uh, deadly frozen squids from the sky, um, Angela takes a case and is able to kind of shield herself as she runs to the theater. Yeah. Where she finds will reeves sitting Mm -hmm. in the front row um she goes and sits next to him we find out that because and you mentioned it while we were watching it too we're like oh yeah he was at the theater with the kids yeah and the kids are all asleep on stage like missing the entire thing that just happened can't even hear the squid fall from the theater you know and i loved that i loved that they like because obviously they said like anything in a five block radius, like people are dying. Yeah. And all that's happening on the outside, we're here. It's just a very quiet, sincere scene. Yeah. Between Angela and Will. And, and this I, is probably my favorite scene, I would say. Yeah. And just good. getting like the, um, the reveal mm-hmm. that like John had set all of this up, that he knew what was going to happen. He's the one who, you know, got the wheels in motion, got Will to kind of partner up with True, knowing that he would eventually lead to her downfall Mm -hmm. um all of it knowing what the end was how the end was coming and making sure that the pieces were in place so that he could basically help angela survive this yeah exactly and save the world yeah exactly make sure the world didn't fall too and then we get that really you know the interesting exchange where he asks you know like hey did you take the pills yes you know and then she's of course like yeah you're hood of justice and then he's all like, you, you know what it felt like when I put on that mask. She's like angry. Angry. And he's like, I thought it was anger too for a long time. And then like, this is like my favorite part of the episode. And then so he's good. like, yeah, he's, he says from anger. No, it wasn't actually anger. It was uh, fear and hurt was overall yeah. feelings from it. And I loved, I loved this exchange again. Like there's another quote I have here where he was like, he says, you can't heal from under a mask. Wounds need air. Yeah. And I, oh my God, I loved that. Because we had just talked about earlier in the episode, at, near the beginning, how masks make men cruel. Yeah. And definitely. this kind of acceptance of Adrian when he says that, knowing that he has also become cruel because of it. Yeah. And Will, who ultimately gave up his mask saying that wounds need air that he needed to take the mask off to be able to um forgive himself and to be able to find inner peace and that that is going to be the path for angela that she is and she realizes it immediately because she like breaks down like you want to talk emotion oh god like the moment that he says wounds need air like she just loses it because she knows that she has been using this persona sister knight the same way that same will way. was using hooded justice to mask his pain to mask his trauma yeah, and fear. to mask the basically to stop him from ever being able to recover from it 
and that the only way he would be able, the only way she will be able to uh, recover from the trauma and get over the terrible stuff that's happened in her life and we've mentioned it before how terrible her life was um is to leave that kind of thing behind yeah it's interesting i'd like to know the opinion of uh two guys that i've heard have uh, anger issues themselves uh well well someone told me a few episodes ago that i do have anger issues someone said that was told uh, to me by you You know, does, is it, does it feel, I mean, did that ring true for you guys? For me, it did. It was like, you know, the anger, is it anger, certain anger at least, is it really just fear and pain just manifesting in a certain way? I think so. I think that um, the root of anger is, is that. I mean, a lot of times, I mean, anger has so many different roots, betrayal, fear. Um, there's that adage where bullies are, are bullies because they don't like themselves, right. whether they, they fear something about themselves or their parents or whatever. But no, I, I think, I think that's true. I think that's, that's an excellent point. Um, and especially for, for Angela, I think that, you know, anger manifests itself through, I think I, hurt is a great way. I think that, that kind of rings true to me. And then, and, uh, yeah, as a former anger person to another former anger person, kicking it. Oh, we're formers now. Yeah, we're older. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're so older from a couple ago. weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've aged and grown so much yes, in these we weeks have. throughout this show. <laughs> um, but no, I th- I think honestly there is a lot to be said with that, and we've seen that mm-hmm. in the trope of superhero comics, Batman is a prime example of someone yeah. who is unable to let go of the trauma from his childhood mm-hmm. and uses this persona as Batman to mask how hurt and alone he feels at yeah. all times. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the reason that Chris and I wear masks when we go out and fight crime on the mean streets yeah. of Los Angeles every night. That's true. We have a like, fight club, we, we have a what? In addition to what we do, we have a fight club. Whoa, I we're, not supposed to, we're not supposed Whoa. to talk about that, Chris. What? That's the second rule. That's the first two rules. That's, That's, rules. That's the first two rules, Chris. He hasn't seen the movie. God What? <laughs> yes. You've never seen Fight I've Club? I've seen parts of it. No. no. You've no. never... No, part. you can't see parts the of Fight Club. The worst part is somebody ruined Fight Club for me the same way Six Sense was ruined But you still have to watch I, Fight I, Club. I've seen most of it, and I love David Fincher. You can't see part... You have to see the whole thing <laughs> right, from start on. to finish, or you haven't seen Fight Club. I have not seen Fight Club. Already. Okay. So you haven't seen Fight Club. No. I haven't watched Breaking Bad. This is 2020, movie. that's what's going to happen. Yeah. 2020. <laughs> yeah. These are resolutions right now. These are resolutions. Breaking Club. Breaking Club. Oh. <laughs> I like it. We're not gonna t- we're not gonna talk about that now. We don't talk about um, breaking club. But no, I think this this idea of you know, as a former a now former angry person. That's right. Um, there is a lot to be said about anger coming from a place of pain, coming from a place of fear. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times uh, anger is a defense mechanism because you want to prevent whatever trauma happened to you. And the reason that you use that anger is from fear of being hurt in the way that you were hurt again. And so I think that was a great, wonderful moment. And we talk about a lot um, deconstructing the idea of something. Like in a lot of media today when it comes to fiction, it's like deconstructing the idea of superheroes or deconstructing the idea of, you know, 
dragons and iron thrones. Like deconstructing <laughs> these concepts that we are so familiar with. I think if you had to distill this entire show and really in the way that it recontextualizes the original comic, if you had to distill that entire Watchmen brand into one scene, into one conversation, it's this conversation. Because every single main character of this um, of this universe wears a mask of some form or another because of their fear, because of the trauma that they experienced. And the only way that, again, they will be able to move forward and move past it is to remove that mask. There's a, and I can't remember the name of this author, but... Um, there's an author who talks about uh, the facade when it comes to fiction writing. The idea that over the course of a narrative, your, your character is going to start out with a facade. And if the story does anything to make this character um, someone you want to root for, someone you want to see get to the end, by the end of the journey, their facade and their flaw will have switched. So... Mm-hmm. By the end of their story, their facade will have gone away, and their flaw that they thought was holding them back or in any way made them unworthy of what they were experiencing was now something that they wore with a badge of honor. Yeah, And so, yeah, and Mm -hmm. so they, I think that feeds a lot into this idea that, um, uh, Angela's facade was that she needed this outlet as Sister Knight and that she was angry, and that she used this in conjunction to basically as a means to an end. And the flaw of her being so angry, of her being so emotional, of her having lived through this incredibly traumatic life um, really shows that hero's journey of those two facades switching and knowing by the end of this that she has to give up this idealized you know mask so that she can be the idealized person that she needs to be not just for herself but for her kids yeah absolutely and overall i just i loved this scene like you said it might be my favorite scene out of the entire episode because it felt so honest so raw and so intimate yeah and we you know with all of the uh the bombastic stuff that happens in this season we haven't gotten a lot of that a lot of quiet moments oh yeah and like uh you know we always sing praises about like the leftovers but um that was something that was done really well with that one too is there's specific episodes that to this day stick with me so hard because they would just have these moments where they just talk about real human emotions and usually in the weirdest context like i know there's this episode where it's just like a weird kind of almost fantasy like world thing or whatever but like um there's just this breakdown from this main character where he kind of admits what his biggest faults are what's been holding him back or what's his driving force and how it's basically fear and it's fear of not being a good enough person for like the person he's in love with and stuff like that and it's just god it's such a beautiful speech and it's like um that's something that Lindelof and then uh the writer for this episode Nick uh Q's he wrote on the leftovers too like they, they definitely it's like something that they're really good at and so seeing that in this i was like oh yes it's like, that's what i live for in the leftovers it's yeah. like every time they'd have one of those episodes where we just get really real in an area that it's like no one would really normally admit but because of the extreme circumstances they're in they can you know and the same with this right. it's like we literally 
you know, Angela had to go live, relive the memories of her grandpa to now come to this revelation that he's, you know, announcing over a hundred years, you know, old now is able to be like, yeah, this is what it is now, you know? So. Yeah. He's, he's lived a life. He's yeah. really gone through a journey himself. I don't know if Angela takes her mask off really. Like you don't think so. Well, because we haven't got to the end yet. Right. So there's something that happens at the end that I think her choices tells me that she doesn't want to necessarily take her mask off. I disagree, but we're going to get to that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get this uh, nice, quick little... I, w- I have it in my notes as like an epilogue um, of our our trio, our good intentions trio <laughs> of uh, Adrian, Laurie, and Wade uh, back in the Arctic base after everything's gone down. Uh, they unveil Archie the Owl ship, and I'm so... Uh, <laughs> I, I almost jumped up out of my seat seeing that again. Um, great throwback. Looks exactly how it used to. Uh, basically, Adrian's like, you can use this to fly back to the U.S., blah, blah, blah. And it looks like he's just going to be, you know, go he's back like, to what he was doing before uh-huh. Manhattan <laughs> sent him to Europa. And uh, Lori's just like, what? No. We're <laughs> arresting you. You killed three million people. Yeah, right. And like, and Adrian is, again, so narcissistic that he's just like, No. Like, like I saved the world twice. Like, you're not going to arrest me. Yeah, you knew about this before. Like, you haven't come for me all this time. And he starts to, you know, launch into this, like, Machiavellian speech. And then, wham! Just fight. Just Wade just hits him in the back of the head with a wrench. And I just... It's so good. I love Looking Glass so much. (laughs) I love him. Um, And then they basically, they... Pick him up and they, um, we assume, load him into the owl ship and then they go arrest him yeah. and whatnot. And then we get um, we get kind of the final sequence. Uh, I have it written in my notes. I have it labeled in my notes here as, oh, what a beautiful morning. Because that's the song, the song that yeah. was uh, playing the entire time. And I don't know if you guys caught this, but when they're leaving the theater, the, uh, the marquee and the uh, neon lettering blanked out everything except Dr. M. No, yeah. I didn't see that. No. Yeah. So I, I noticed that and I was like, oh, I gotta write that down. Because it's just, you know, it's this idea that, again, he had orchestrated everything yeah. to make sure that they had a life. And I think that also... How did she know to go there? You know what I mean? Right. She and saw th- it and was like, oh, okay. And I think I that know. feeds in as well to what we will discuss with this ending here. Um, but I think it's also after we have that conversation with Will, where he talks about, you know, taking the mask off, you know, mm-hmm. wounds need air. Um, none of the characters that we have come to know in this series wearing masks are wearing masks in this yeah, final they're scene. All, yeah. They're all unmasked. And I thought that was a great, great mm-hmm. little nod to that conversation. Yeah. Uh, we finally get to see Red Scare in all of his glory. Which he's not um, blue that we know of yeah <laughs> since we know now that dr manhattan can do that yeah i mean red scare uh, eats a lot like we've seen him like just snapping. and what's the opposite of blue it's red, red. no 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 <laughs> okay okay but but no <laughs> <laughs> all right unless no <laughs> 
But anyway, so um, they go into uh, Angela's bunker, and this is when uh, her son finds out that she's not just a cop, but also a, a masked vigilante, mm-hmm. technically. Um, I love the knowing look between the two of them as well. Yeah, right. Because she's essentially had to lie to her kids yeah. about being a police officer as well, just for the sake of the job. Yeah. And so... Um, and also, I mean, we know how the oldest son, you know, what he feels about it. Right. So, yeah. So I liked that kind of silent acknowledgement with the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Wasn't and- that one adopted? All of them were adopted. adopted. No, well, one of them was they they took over from the from the from all three. All three of them they took. Yeah, yeah, that was her partner's kids. All three of them. Yeah. Well, two look a lot different than the other one. (laughs) I'm just saying. I thought the one, the one that they at the very end. Yeah, I thought that was the only one. So, so we're gonna just go on record. We know that the uh, the casting director for Watchmen uh, listens to this podcast, and Chris here is criticizing her casting. You know, we need a better job with kids. That kid have been through, LA, that kid have been through more trauma than the other two. We don't. Wh- I don't think different. this was filmed in L.A. <laughs> or Atlanta. It's it probably was Georgia, Atlanta. The Georgia thing. At oh, the did end. it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That makes yeah, sense. That's a, that's a but yeah. um, so she ends up bringing uh, Will back to their house, and she's like, "You can just stay for just just for a couple days." Mm-hmm. And you kind of know it's going to be more than a couple days because <laughs> like they've got a lot of catching up to do. Yeah. Um, but they have this conversation where he mentions. Um, you know, to make an omelet, you have to crack a few eggs. And that and you know what that means. You right? know what that means. She has, I have no idea. Yet. He's like, then it's not That's time. time. So she goes home and we kind of get to see the house back as it was when she left it. Yeah. You know, last episode when all the shit went down. Um, and we see all the eggs on the floor that yeah. we got in that beautiful moment where yeah, she, she just them grabs them and throws them on the floor. Um, and... You know, Will goes to bed, all the kids go to bed, and she starts cleaning up the eggs, and she looks, and the carton is laying there. And I didn't catch this, but immediately, (laughs) Jessica and Chris caught it. And then as soon as she opened the carton and saw there was one egg in there, I just went, oh, because we meant, you know, it was mentioned last episode that he, that Dr. Manhattan could transfer his abilities, he would he could put it into, and they use this example, put it into an egg, and if you ate that egg, you would have his abilities. Yeah, it was never explicitly it. stated that he did this. Um, but seeing the egg and getting the little flashback of, like, that scene where he's like, watch the eggs. And her, you know, grabbing them and throwing them on the floor. Genius. Mm-hmm. I loved that. I absolutely loved that. Mm-hmm. And so say, for me, it was like as soon as they said the omelet, break a few eggs, and I knew I was like, okay, yeah, that's kind of a throwback to like, um, to like our joke with Lori and stuff, and like talking about Osmandias because he, in her joke, she says that you know, like, oh, make an omelet, gotta break a few eggs, like as far as him killing like a bunch of yeah. people. So I was like, okay, yeah, cool throwback, but I just was like, oh, this is totally. From that point, I was like, she broke those eggs. She threw down a bunch of eggs. Like, there's going to be one egg that's not freaking broken, and it's going to have its powers. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. 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 So, um, and then I loved also that she takes the egg, and she immediately, like, looks out. And it's another callback to last episode when he's mm-hmm. standing on the pool, and he's like, I need you to see, you need you to, need see, to see, me see me do this pool, yeah. for later. And so she goes out, she takes her socks off, rolls her pants up, and uh, 
breaks open the egg, eats the yolk, which... They're, they're totally leaning into it at this point. Really so leaning like, into it. Yeah. And so, um, you know, the music starts to cue up. Uh, she begins to step out onto the pool water and credits. There you go. How did you feel about that? That cutoff, like and I think everybody saw it coming, right? From like next week, absolutely. You know what I mean, so yeah, and and I think that it was what you had said. I think it, it would, if it ends here, we don't get a season two, right? Right. That's a great ending for it. Absolutely, it, it, it is complete Lindelof. You know what yeah. I mean? It's it's. But that's okay. We don't need to know. It can or it can't be, but that's objective. That's up to you. Absolutely. You know? So I thought it was perfect. It couldn't have been more perfect for me. Good. So, touching back on what you said earlier, how do you think in this moment she hasn't decided to give up the mask? Because to be Doctor... to ha- Okay, so if we're going to do that, we have to su- suppose then that she'll have all of Doctor Manhattan's powers as well as his kind of ability to kind of be everywhere at once. Right. He was a little removed from being emotional for the majority of yes. his being, right? Right. So if she were to leave the mask on, it allows her to, to act under a different premise. And well, I think that's interesting. I don't think that that necessarily means that she is keeping the mask on because she's coming to, if she does have... Uh, Dr. Manhattan's powers after this, she's going to be applying them and using them in a very different perspective than she was as her um, Sister Knight character. Because as we, uh, as it was explained, her Sister Knight is very much a product of her trauma. Mm-hmm. It is very much her acting out her anger on people. We see this in the first and second episodes yeah, where she yeah. just like kicks the shit out of everybody. Mm-hmm. But like, Knowing now, like that, she needs time to heal. She needs to give that up and accept that the trauma in her life happened, and that she can grow and change from it, while also getting the point just nailed in at every every possible uh, moment that Doctor Manhattan didn't do enough. Her getting the opportunity to better the world, I mean, could be a new. Uh, a new stage for her life and could be her taking the mask off and becoming who she was always meant to be. Yeah. And I don't think that necessarily um, saying that like, you know, it makes her devoid of emotion. Like that's not true either. Cause Dr. Manhattan fell in love with people and stuff, you know, he just loved differently. Right. He experienced time differently in that sort of sense. So I don't know if it cuts off like her emotions either. Like, yeah, it made him seem kind of distant from people, but at the same time, he very much pursued, like, the women he was with because it was like he fell in love with them. Like, that was, you know... Right. And especially in this last relationship, we got to really, really see, like, how far he was willing to go just to have time with her and stuff. So, for me, I'm like, I don't know if it's necessarily would be her turning off those emotions as well or making herself distance from them. You know? I disagree, but that's that's it, that's what great filmmaking does, right? right? Absolutely, it, it, it opens it up for dialogues yeah. like this, and I opens think, up the conversation. And yeah. I love that. And you touched on it a second ago. How um, a lot of good fiction, a lot of good stories are subjective. So what you get out of this might not be what Jessica gets out of this. What mm-hmm. Jessica gets out of this might not be what I get out of this. So. I think overall, you know, with all of its faults, with the fact that it wasn't a perfect episode, it might not be the best episode of the show, um, I think it accomplished what it needed to accomplish and also kind of wrapping everything up. And for me, again, 
I mentioned it before, I don't know if I necessarily need a season two. We've been talking about it all season, like, yeah. oh man, I can't wait to hear more stories, I can't yeah. wait to see this. But it's like, with the promise of the possible future of Angela getting those powers, using it to better the world, um, I don't know if I need to see that. I think it's going to be, it would be more... Um, it's always that idea of like your imagination is going to be more fantastical than the actual no, reality. Yeah. So um, overall, the episode uh, is the end of the show. Um, do you? Do you guys? Would you want to see a second season with the ending that we got? I could go either way. Like I, I still do believe like there might be more stuff to tell and stuff. Um, you know, we still have some really interesting characters. And, like, Red Scare! <laughs> Pirate Jenny. <laughs> Red Scare and Pirate Jenny miniseries. Look at that. <laughs> um, and, you know, I do think, like, there, it still has some stuff that absolutely they could, they could play with some more. You know, like, they, they didn't answer the question, is she Dr. Manhattan, you know, or not? Right. Is she gone now or not? And, um, but I can go either way. I'm, I'm totally satisfied with just having this one season, too. Like, I, I feel happy that I watched it, and I'm not going to be disappointed if there's not a second one, second season. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I think that it would be cool to see what the writers uh, and, and will, will create for season two if we go that route, because I'm sure that it would be fantastic. Oh, um, I'm sure it would be incredible. But if this is the last thing we see from Lindelof's uh, iteration of Watchmen, it was... It was it was a wonderful series, you know what I mean. Yeah. I wouldn't. This has been a wonderful, and I gotta thank you because honestly, I probably would not have seen this as frequently or been as addicted to it as I am had it not been for you, Eric. So that that's it's really cool to to, to point to someone because Jessica's gonna point to me and say Chris showed me the leftovers, <laughs> and that has mm, been in the, no, Je no. Jessica, and, are you going are you going to point oh, to him? I showed Chris Game of Thrones, right? I mean. Yeah, maybe. But, but, <laughs> it's all cyclical. Right, but no, I think that um, as far as, and I will say that season two um, for Leftovers, it got, it was a while before it, where there was a season two. In fact, people actually dressed up as uh, their characters in, in the film outside the HBO building. And really? And lobbied for, uh, yeah, some type oh, of wow. additional season. So there's no guarantee for it. It is hard drama. You know, right. it, it, it's, it's a narrow kind of target to hit it's yeah. not something that i would like my parents probably wouldn't enjoy it there's a lot of layers to it so topically yeah. it's like oh yeah this is kind of a whole hum series but once you start peeling the onion like we've talked about right the complexity of the story they're telling it becomes much more interesting once you get to the third and fourth layer of that onion well and i think that that's honestly you know that's something that we we tried to do with this show and you know you were thanking me i want to thank both of you for like doing this That's show really with me, me. Mo mo mostly 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 no both of you um, at all. <laughs> being able to like do this and talk about this show for me um i was talking to a uh, a co-worker and they were asking they're like you know it seems like really inside baseball this show does you know and i and that kind of um that idea, that idea that maybe this show isn't super accessible for people who don't know anything about Watchmen. And that's kind of what I wanted to accomplish here, just being able to talk about this stuff in this show. And so 
being able to do that with you guys was really awesome. I've never really mm-hmm. done like a weekly, like I do a weekly review segment on the uh, podcast proper, but like being able to like really sit down and spend, you know, an hour, hour and a half talking about an episode each week as a narrative builds, I thought I'd, I had a great time. So, um, Thanks. did yeah. you want to see another season? Uh, I think like you guys said, like I do and I don't. Like I. I am absolutely up for more stories in this world. Mm-hmm. I'm up for more stories with some of these characters. Like mm-hmm. I think uh, Lori and Looking Glass would be a great show. I think Pirate Jenny and Red Scare absolutely could be a perfect <laughs> show as well, uh, where we uh, get the reveal that Red Scare really was Dr. Manhattan the whole time. This was all a ruse. <laughs> but um, we will never do another podcast if that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember watching that episode <laughs> where it just, you know, Dr. Manhattan's parading as a person on Earth. The very next shot is Red Scare. And I looked at Chris and I pointed right at him. And he looks at me just stone faced and says, We're not, we're never doing this again if this is true. true. Yeah. <laughs> I was ready. <laughs> so. Overall, looking back on the episodes, looking back on the season, uh, you said that this isn't like your favorite episode of the show. What is your favorite episode of the season? You know, I knew you putting were you on the I'm putting you on the spot. I knew you were gonna ask that. At first, I really liked Lori's story, and then isn't it funny? We talked about her being a main character, and she was for maybe two of the episodes, and she just kind of fell back. Right. You know what I mean? I I really enjoyed. Um, I enjoyed Will's backstory a lot. I think what they did uh, cinematically, which by the way, No Film School did a great breakdown of how the DP did a bunch of the one takes in there, which we noticed, yeah. Um, I thought Will's story, and I thought that episode was gonna kind of be like a ho-hum episode, but I think it was great because it was different. Right. We talk about anger coming from from sadness and hurt and pain, and I think it's never more evident than it is for me in that episode. True. To see what kind of he went through. And then how it speaks to me generationally, how the sins of the father will carry on to their children. And, right. You know what I mean? I think that was kind of, there were so many uh, social commentaries in that. Um, obviously, the over racism, which you yeah. know, they tackled really, really well in the show as a whole. I mean, for sure. You know, it, it, and I wrote down at one point, this is. Lindelof basically wrote a show about kind of talking about racism in in the past six years. In fact, there was a line I wrote down where Joe Keane is talking about, and he says he's speaking in true, you know, white supremacist form when he says, why are we supposed to apologize for something that people that, you know, we don't even know did something to other people decades ago? It's like, well, right. that's still, you know what I mean? We because that prejudice legacy. still exists. Of course, and we talked about legacy, too. We did. Right? So they mentioned that. Um, so I guess for me to, to, to answer, and this may change tomorrow, um, I'm going to say uh, Will's backstory. I okay. think the one where Angela took the, took the um, I can't think of it right now. What's, what, what did she take? Nostalgia. Thank you very much. When she took nostalgia, and for, for the cinematic value and for the layers of complexity within that specific episode, right. um, really were, was my favorite. Gotcha. What was your favorite? Jessica. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, um, honestly, yeah, this this Extraordinary Being, I think is what yes. it was called. Um, that's Episode probably, 6. Yeah, I had a few in there that I really, really enjoyed, but that one, 
I think, yeah, I, gosh, I really love that one because yeah. because of that, because it was like we got this contained story about this guy that we got to see full, you know, like fully fledged out, fleshed out. Um, I don't know. We really felt a lot of the stuff that he felt the way that they showed us things, you know, when he got strung up, the way they oh, shot yeah. that. Um, yeah. Even the fact that they were going in between this, the nostalgia and not and like the commentary outside of it and stuff. And then... Um, and then, yeah, we just had such a surprise ending with it, too, when he, you know, finds that warehouse and then just, like, uh -huh. just the, tra the transformation within that episode, I would say. Like, that's that was probably one of my favorites, too, um, for sure. How about you? Yeah, I almost, um, for a lot of it, it's a toss-up for me. Um, I still think the first episode is incredible. The opening in Tulsa, the world-building that they do in the in the episode as well but uh i i have to agree episode six this extraordinary being is mm -hmm. probably my favorite just for you know like all the things that you guys mentioned but also as a longtime fan of the watchman comic mm -hmm. getting true. the backstory for a character who was just a blip on the radar yeah and ended up being one of the most important characters not just in the comic but in the show and in Absolutely. the world as a whole yeah, yeah. so i love that i think uh honorable mention has to be uh episode eight a god walks into a bar yeah, that yeah. Was, love yeah, that everything about that episode yeah. it's another backstory episode oh, but god, it is so. but it is exactly what it needed to be and it's another episode focusing on a watchman comic character mm -hmm. getting that information of what happened with dr manhattan like the backstory on angela how they yeah. met um I still, you know, I still have it in my notes. I'm looking at it right now. It's, you know, a god walks into a bar, brackets, a tragedy. Like, yeah. it is a tragic as hell episode. Yeah. As is this extraordinary being where we get mm -hmm. to see Will, you know, kind of go through all these trials and tribulations and then his life to just kind of fall apart when yeah. he, you know, needed help the most. Yeah. And so... I, I would have to say, yeah, episode six, because that was, and I think that was really when we were hitting our stride and being like, dude, every single episode is better than the oh, yeah. episode the week before. Yeah, I was not, I remember when that episode was coming up, I was not looking forward to it. Like when Same. they had the, I yeah, was. the next time one, and I was like, oh, she's going to have her nostalgia trip and stuff. I was just like, ugh, it's going to be like some weird flashbacky stuff, whatever. Like I was not necessarily looking forward to it. Yeah. And it was way more, it just blew me away. I was like, it was way more interesting than all that. And then rewatching it again was just like, you could pick up all the hints that are within it and stuff where you're like, oh, they're messing with color and being bringing you back to even a different time in Will's memory and stuff and their own it like they were doing all this stuff with it that's just like it's cool to watch again because you pick up even more stuff you know right yeah yeah I, honestly this this whole season has been just uh just an incredible ride yeah just mm -hmm. a fun uh look into a world that we never thought was going to get a sequel you know for years yeah you know for ever since it really came out in 1985 um it was always said that watchmen can never get a sequel and it can never be adapted um i yeah. think to a certain extent the uh the latter is true the Zack snyder film adaptation uh for better or for worse tried to be an exact one for one adaptation of the comic uh pulling direct scenes that are shot exactly how you see them in the panel yeah um there have been all kinds of different uh 
conversations and observations on that show on that film yeah but i think for me this really is a true blue uh sequel that absolutely lives up to the watchman name which is great mm-hmm. and i think that's what um Lindelof probably set off set out to do for um, sure you know even with the talks of people trying to push for him to get a season two and stuff um and what he's originally said is that he was like when he pitched the show originally to like hbo and stuff it was always he was mentioning other hbo shows such as like true detective and right. stuff like that where he was like it's gonna be it's like it's where there was only one season kind of yeah, yeah it can be um well well true detective has several seasons there's but only there... one season <laughs> gotcha <laughs> clicking in here um but yeah it doesn't have to have the same characters it doesn't have to even necessarily super involve the other story you know what right. i mean and that's what he's saying he's like if there ever was another season two then it would probably be something along those lines where it'd be like it'd probably in be a different place different. different people yeah exactly but he just wanted to examine what the original um uh, comic was about what that original um, graphic novel was all about and to see in this context especially like and then uh, of course some of the, the tones they talked of hugely about which was like the racist tones and then applying it to today and stuff and they did a great job of it we got to see all sides of it like you guys talked about um, even the giving of you know money um, to the people who went through the, the tragedy and yes the Redfordations and, yeah and they had the people standing out front Oof. being like you got your apology like what else do you want kind Ugh. of thing and stuff just stuff that you you hear like you yeah. absolutely hear every that. day yeah people every are, day yeah, it's so upsetting but people absolutely go like what do you what you we're sorry for you know slavery what do you want and it's just like. You have no idea. You have well, no idea. You well, know? and we hear, you know, all the time, like, I, I am a devout uh, John Oliver Last Week Tonight fan. Nice. And um, we hear a lot about the uh, the Confederate statues, too. Mm-hmm. Just like this, you know, this is our legacy. This yeah. is the legacy of this and that. That's true. And it's, um, it's really interesting when you talk about the idea of a legacy and, like, what you leave behind afterwards. And in a lot of ways, you know, Angela essentially is Dr. Manhattan's legacy. Like, he's, she is what he's left behind with, like, you have all the tools now to do what I could never do. What are you going to do with it? Oh, wow. Really good point. So, I, I overall, I loved this, loved this show. Uh, We're going to do something that uh, we haven't done yet. And we're going to rate this. We're going to rate this. the entire show. We're not going to go episode by episode because that would take forever. But the show in itself. Let's go. Let's go out of five. How many Crookshanks would you give <laughs> out of five? Starting with Christopher Carter. And we're just comparing it to stuff that we've seen or stuff that's out there. Or like, hey, you need to see this type of thing. Compare. We're not. We're not comparing it to anything, right? Not. So. Not really. Just in your overall enjoyment, what you thought of okay. it as a piece of fiction. Gotcha. I would say first of all, I'd approach. I'd have to screen my 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 people first of all. Like, hey, your people. Oh. Well, I have to. I wouldn't suggest this to my to, to our Dustin. I'm like you probably shout, like, shout out to Dustin shout who to Dustin. definitely listens right. to this yeah, every week. The roommate. Totally. So we're just kind of <laughs> <laughs> you know. I, I think that it's important. The type of individual that you that's asking is, is important, right? It has you have to be open to the ideas. 
and and that I think that for me though I like Damon a lot I think that this has been a great follow up to Leftovers I hope he gets more opportunities to tell stories like this for sure but I'd give it I'd give it a solid four and a half it's hard for me to give anything five that's fair we talked about it before yeah Yeah, a perfect score is is a perfect score right no for me it's four and a half a solid four and a half perfect Jessica how many um, Crookshanks out of crook five? How many Crookshanks? What does that mean for yours? It was like four and then missing some limbs or something? No, no, it's it's four Crookshanks and a Mr. Phillips. Oh, okay, gotcha. That that's, makes sense. Yes. That's, that's, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, it's, uh, you know... All those these last few weeks, especially, I've been I've been recommending the show to basically everybody. It's been <laughs> yeah. very much. I mean, it's funny. There's like this running joke. One of this this guy I work with named Arya. We like talk about this Shout all out to the time. Shout out to Arya. Um, because it's just we're like it, we go up to everybody at work and we're just like, are you watching Watchmen? <laughs> you need to watch Watchmen. Because <laughs> I do feel like even if there's not even if it's an audience that you're like, well, they may not be open to this. Well, screw them. Like, let them watch it anyways because maybe they'll learn something. Like, yeah. I'm I'm huge on like thinking that filmmakers anyone who creates art really needs to be responsible for the kind of art they create and that you know you can change people with it i really absolutely believe that so i i'm gonna give it five stars because i five crookshanks out of five i know and don't get me wrong i'm a little more i'm not like oh five stars means perfect but that's what it means though it's perfect <laughs> but to you well, but to me okay the rating system in too. my <laughs> thought if this was like my netflix and it was like hey rate this out of five stars i would give this five stars because i would want more recommendations like this <laughs> nice <laughs> nice uh, five crook miss mrs crookshanks miss F- is it oh, yeah it, yeah it's miss she could be she could be but she's not You're call me up oh. what about you, at last what about you eric tell us um yeah, that's that's really tough. I think um, just based off as a comic book fan, I loved the idea of it. Uh, I've been wanting some kind of sequel to Watchmen for a very long time. There's actually a comic out right now called Doomsday Clock, which is essentially like a uh, a direct sequel to the original Watchmen comic. But this one, being a self-contained story, being in that world, jumping decades ahead, showing the effects that it's had on the greater world, um, the world building here, David Lindelof, this was my first real exposure to him since Lost when I was betrayed. <laughs> um, Any of his quotes about this show, you will find a quote about Lost in it. Yes. <laughs> He's still making up for it today. <laughs> and I... I really adored everything that they did with this, recontextualizing not just the characters and the setting and the world, but also in retrospect, like recontextualizing the comic, recontextualizing the source material uh, with the twists on specific characters that we knew. Mm-hmm. Um, and so rarely do you see that where it's where a sequel to something that's you know beloved or like revered recontextualizes the original piece of art mm-hmm. and so for that reason i i think it would be you would be hard pressed to find something better mm-hmm. in the realm of what it's trying to accomplish um i would i would probably i would give it a a, a 4 and three quarters Crookshanks <laughs> out of five. So that's four Crookshanks, a Mr. Phillips, a Mr. Phillips and a horseshoe. Nice. <laughs> so uh, those or are our final ratings. Um, any final thoughts before we head out of here on the show, on the episode, anything? Um, I don't know. <laughs> 
No, I, yeah, it was just, I, it was such a great journey, and it was Agreed. informative, and it was, it was important, and that's rare today, right? To say something, absolutely, to, to say something is important. Um, but Jessica said it best. I think that entertainment, well, you know, just the word itself, entertainment, is taken lightly. But within entertainment, you have stories like this that tells stories of uh race relations and slavery and history and how yeah. you know i mean a therapist would take this almost as kind of like it's a great starting point you know and you could say right. that anger is driven from from hurt and from pain um and i think that stories like this are important and they need to exist and i'm glad that uh we were able to kind of watch it in as it went and be kind of part of it and and go from there so no i i'm, I'm exceptionally thankful that you turned me on the show and that um, shows like this even exist in the Agreed. stage because they're so important. For sure. Jessica, any final thoughts? I'm just, I'm on that same boat. I'm just going to keep recommending people watch it, <laughs> especially now that it's it's fully, you know, some people wait till the series is done to watch it. And it's yeah. like, I will still absolutely be recommending this just as much um, from this last episode and everything because, because yeah, we've already said it, but um, there's really important stuff in here. And I mean, even just, just for entertainment purposes alone it's still like it still hits it out of the ballpark for me agreed i i think that what you mentioned just now just still recommending it like if you don't have hbo now hbo go whatever (laughs) get the get the week-long trial watch this binge it you can cancel it you won't be charged like this deserves to be watched oh yeah this is something that I think if you do watch it, you're going to remember it for a real long time. Yeah. Uh, if yeah. you watch it, you will get different things from it. You know, the social commentary. Oh, yeah. If you're a comic book fan, you'll get all of that from it. If you are a fan of David Lindelof, you'll get his his fingerprints are all over it. Yeah. If you just like narrative drama talking about, you know, people trying to be perfect in an imperfect world, you are going to find it here. Yeah, um, so characters, all this Yeah, stuff, compelling you know? characters, mm-hmm. great narratives, twists and turns, yeah. incredible uh incredible cinematography. Mm-hmm. Uh the show itself is a just a technical marvel it as is. well with all the stuff that they've done with it yeah. we talked a little bit before about the uh the one shots in episode mm-hmm. six um just everything that went into this you can really tell that this show was a labor of love and so overall final thoughts um you absolutely need to see this if you haven't if you have i hope you've enjoyed it uh if you've enjoyed what we've been doing every single week like talking about this feel free to let us know let us know what you want to want us to talk about next we don't know what to do if we're gonna do this i'm 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 not gonna say that i know for certain but i'm pretty sure that we're gonna do this again for something but maybe maybe (laughs) perhaps it'd be it'd be a little difficult because that actually does come out binging like streaming wise but we'd figure it out we'd figure it out um but overall uh let us know uh feel free to reach out to us at geeksplained pod that's at geeksplained pod on twitter and instagram or through email because an old man and unstable to emails to geeksplained at gmail.com um Thank if you so any, much for having us. Yeah. yeah thank you. Like, really awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you guys got to be part of this. I've been wanting to record something with you guys like on the regular, and this has been a really fun time. Yeah. So 
Yeah. Really enjoyed it too. Or the twice I've been here, I have. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah. So for now, uh, we're gonna go ahead and sign off here. Hope to see you again real soon. Reviewing something else. We'll be watching something else real soon. Uh, stay tuned for that. I'm glad that we got to finish off 2019 reviewing something that we loved. Uh, looking forward into 2020 to see what we do next. But uh, for now, for Geek Explain, this is Eric Azana. And Chris Carter. And Jessica Morgan. And we will see you next time.